Hey everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon, a sermon about how the church is God's. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to let you know that this sermon that you're about to hear was preached three years ago. The reason we're sharing it again now is that it was foundational to all that we have become as a church. And as we prepare to gather together again, we think it's really important that people remember exactly why we exist as a church and what we're trying to accomplish. You know, a lot's changed in the world in the last couple of months, but there are unchangeable truths about what the church is and about what the church is supposed to do written down for us in scripture. This sermon contains some of those truths, and so we thought it was really important for us to share it again. I hope it will be as foundational to our regathering as it has been to our church over the last few years. One more quick note before I let you get to the sermon, and that is that this sermon was filmed on location at a church that I have been a part of. Obviously, you won't be able to see that because you're listening. So if you want to watch, make sure you head over to our YouTube channel, which is called Creekside Tube. Again, thanks for taking time to listen to this sermon. I really do hope that it will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. Why does church exist? What is its purpose? Is it to offer a bunch of rules, an excuse to have coffee with friends? Ephesians describes church as the body of Jesus. Christians are a part of it. The goal is that all the parts will be built up and work together in order to positively impact people's lives for the glory of God. This happens by expressing the love of Jesus to our communities and the world, by telling the story of how he died and rose again. All this happens for him because the church is his. Today I'm standing at First Free Methodist in Salem, Oregon, and, and for me, this church illustrates both how a church can line up with what God desires and how it can really be unaligned, as I just said. And I, this is the church that really I was born into. I probably attended this church right here when I was one or two weeks old. My parents met at this church. My grandparents went to this church. I still have family, my great, great uncle. I think that's what he is to me. And his wife attends this church. Uh, uh, this is the church I was born into. And as a kid, this church really was in some ways like a family to me. There was many of my family here, but also people when you're a kid, especially I think in church, they treat you like family. And uh, some of my earliest memories in church and uh, they're kind of vague memories, but they're early memories. I mean, I remember on Sunday mornings at the information table that's still inside of here because I've been in here in the last few years, uh, my dad would grab my hand. I don't know how we got away with this. And we would walk around this circular information table and it, it made me feel like I was the tallest guy in the world just walking around uh, this table that's in there. and. I remember crawling over the pews, these red pews, and I remember in these pews uh, crawling over them and, and then somebody yelling at me and I don't know who it was or what they said or anything, but uh, you know, they didn't hate me. They weren't mean to me. They just were 
correcting my behavior. That happens to a lot of the kids in our church as they run around. Um, I also remember that this church used to have a carpeted basketball court and uh, just being in there and playing basketball and sneaking down the hallway and shooting some hoops uh, uh, or wanting to shoot hoops as just a little, little kid. These are the memories that I first formed about church. We had a pastor here and I still, I can't even remember his name right now, but I always called him the high five pastor because as a kid he would give you a high five and I liked it. He was my favorite pastor, the one that I maybe remember the most at this church. This church, when I was born, felt much like a family. We left this church because my parents got divorced. And that contrast for me is really representative of church, what it can be, what it should be, and what it sometimes isn't. Even through the divorce, my parents uh, here, at least at this church, they maintained a good relationship. This was the one place in my life after my parents separated, still to this day really, that I would see both my mom's family and my dad's family in the same place. And every Sunday, they at least acted like they got along. What we're gonna look at in the Bible today shows us how beautiful it can be when a church is like a family. In fact, it shows us that a church should be a family. And as I look back at, at this place, I'm so thankful that my first church experience, even as my home life was separating, my first church experience was one of unity, even with my family who, who was splitting apart. I am so thankful that here, at a very small age, I saw the importance of a church that is unified and a church that is showing love to the people in the church despite the messiness of life. Ephesians 2.19 says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 is really incredible. You should definitely read it. It's about salvation and how we become Christians and how we enter into a relationship with God and how it's all by grace and a bunch of things along those lines. And then Ephesians 2, 11 through 18 describes how God through Jesus has destroyed the barrier between the Jews and the Gentiles, people that aren't Jewish. And it describes how people in Christ have unity and peace between each other. How they are those who are outside of the Jewish religion and the Jewish nationality, the Jewish race, how they now can enter in and be a part of God's people even though before they were separated from that privilege. And here Paul shows up and he says, hey, you who are Christians are no longer foreigners and strangers. You're no longer alienated from the family of God, but instead you have become members of God's household. That word for household uh, is a Greek word and it means belonging to 
hence family, kindred, friends, and relations. And relations, excuse me. The metaphor may not come as a surprise. The fact that Paul is declaring a church to be a family, the church to be a family, it may not be a surprise to you because it's language that we oftentimes use, right? Like we say, what church family are you a part of? Or my church family or the family of God. And we reference each other in Christian circles as brothers and sisters. And so this language is really familiar to us. But what I think we often forget is how valuable that language is. And before we look at why I think it's really important for us to see church as a family, let me just again, like I said last week, point out the word that's in front of household, and that is his. In the first sermon in this series, I said, hey, I used to be a person that treated church as if it were mine, but what Ephesians declares to us is that it's not ours, it is his. And here in Ephesians 2, Paul, having already said, that the church is the fullness of Jesus who fills everything in every way. He now again says to us that we are members of his household. If the church is a family, then it is the family of God. And as we think about how beautiful it can be for a church to be a family. We must not disconnect that. We must not separate that from the truth that this is God's family. I've grown up in a home that home that respects the generations above us. And I've noticed that my family, and I love this about my family, has done an incredible job of showing the oldest person in the family that we, that we understand that we are in their line, that without their hard work and dedication, we wouldn't be the family that we are. Without their efforts, we would not be where we are today. We celebrate older people's birthdays often in a more important way or a way that suggests they're more important. When you realize that the family belongs to somebody else, then you treat that person differently with more respect. And, and when we think about the family of God and we think about what all that can mean to our lives, it's very important that we remember that it's His, that this family exists in order to bring respect and glory and honor to Jesus, who is the firstborn of us who now have given our lives to Him and become Christians, followers of His, and entered into His family despite the fact that we used to be foreigners and strangers. And so this is a familiar metaphor to us, this idea that we are part of the family of God. But we don't stop to think about what it suggests a church ought to be. I wrote a handful of things down here, and I've seen these true in my church experiences. A church should be a place where people can find support during the difficulties they experience. I found that here. My parents separating, being divorced. I'm a kid, that's difficult, that's scary. And in this place right behind me, I found people who cared about me. A church should be a place full of people willingly, who will willingly come to the aid of others in a congregation. A church should be a place where people can find love despite their flaws. 
Church should be a place where we find spiritual sisters, mothers, brothers, fathers. A church should be a place where we all pitch in for the good of the group. And a church should be a place where people are in it for the long haul. We do not leave families. Now I want you just to stop, just for a moment here. And I want you to compare that, that list that I just gave you, finding support, finding aid, experiencing love, finding spiritual mothers and fathers, pitching in to do good, being in it for the long haul. I want you to compare that in your minds and your hearts to the experiences that you have in church. I think if we're all honest, that we find a very different experience. We find often in our churches that it's a place where we can't find any help for our difficulties. And we find that it's oftentimes a place where people will not willingly reach out and help us. We find that it's a place where people don't love us despite our flaws. We find it's a place where nobody truly wants to invest in us. We find it to be a place where only a few people do all the work. And oftentimes we find it a place where people are not in it for the long haul. In fact, they leave as soon as they're bothered by something. When God says that the church is Jesus' family, his household, I think he means everything good that's a part of the family structure ought to be present in the places that we call church. I think that when we look at a church, we should see the perfect example of what a family structure can be. But sometimes we don't. If you've ever been a part of a church that seems like a family, you know how incredible this metaphor can be. Here in this place, my family would come together Sunday after Sunday despite, despite a divorce and they'd show kindness to each other. And it gave me some stability as a kid. But even that, just the people, the, the pastor giving me the high five, the people giving me hugs, the people who were gently correcting my behavior, there was structure in this place that gave me the support that I needed. Not only that, but at Creekside, our church, I have found a wonderful family. Not long ago, I got a text that said, I love you, dear Chadley from a friend in this church. And I'm sure I responded by saying, I love you too. It didn't feel weird. It didn't feel abnormal. And it most importantly, it felt genuine. This person loves me and I love them. They are my brother in Christ and they are part of my church family. There are so many of you who are sitting in front of this screen today that are a part of my family in the most real way. I mean, there are so many of you that we, we can fight, we can disagree, we can not see eye to eye, but yet at the end of the day, we love each other, we care about each other, we're there for each other, we're holding each other accountable, we're pushing each other to move forward, we're helping each other when life is difficult. And I think that when we see church as a true family we see something beautiful 
I saw this quote, and I think it's so important. It's long, so bear with me. There may be no relationship that's closer, finer, harder, sweeter, happier, sadder, more filled with joy or fraught, or fraught with woe than the relationship we have with our brothers and sisters. The idea is that your parents come along at the beginning of your life and leave it too early. Your spouse and your children come along much later in your life, but your siblings are the only people who are with you through the entire ride, potentially from cradle to grave. We're clay when we first meet our siblings. We're pretty much, you know, set and kiln fired by the time we meet our spouses and a lot of our friends. But our siblings shape us. We learn from our siblings. Siblings, We learn from mentoring. We learn, we learn about mentoring. We learn about honesty, caring, confidence. We learn about loyalty, keeping confidence. We learn about conflict avoidance, guilt and compromise, gentleness, caring, empathy, love. And the Bible says that when you look at the people next to you, the people that you go to church with, those are your brothers and sisters because they too are part of the family of God. Despite coming from a divorced home, I come from a, a really tight-knit family. I'm uh, blessed to be part of the family that I am a part of. And I'm sometimes moved to tears when I consider the closeness that I have experienced, the, the tightness that I have experienced in my relationship with my uncle and grandmas and grandpas and my cousins and my parents. And I, I, there's something so beautiful and important uh, to me about the family that I have grown up in. When I married Bryn, and I've told her this, so I'm not telling you something new, she wasn't a part of my family. Now I know we signed on a document and said, yeah, we're part of each other's family now, but we did not have the shared experiences for me to feel the same about her as I do about my dad or about my grandma. Uh, it just wasn't there. I could have said all the things that the great romantic songs say, but I didn't. <laughs> Instead, I was honest. What's happened in the last handful of years is that my wife and I have shared incredible joys and incredible struggles. And now she is a part of me in the deepest ways she is part of my family. What breaks my heart, and it really does, is that most people approach church in a way that will never allow for them to truly be part of the family of God. Most people will never approach church in a way that allows for them to be deeply committed and to have other people deeply committed to them. You see, here's the truth about a family. If you want to gain all of the blessings that family can bring, then you have to put something into it. Mark Driscoll, a pastor of a mega church uh, a few years ago, said, 
that the, the difference between a restaurant and a family is that in a family, everybody does something. As I look around at the American church today, I see people wanting, desperately desiring the community that a family structure can bring. But those same people don't want to treat the church as a family and so they never find the relationships that they so desperately desire. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've come here today for the first time, for the hundredth time, I don't know, and you think, I just want this to feel more like a family. But you're not putting anything into it. You're never, you never, you're never going to feel the truth that the church is his family. You see, when God describes church as the household of Jesus, I think he's saying two different things. He is saying, first, church can bring you the greatest blessings of connection and love that you could ever imagine. But also, when you think about how you approach church, how you are involved in church, you ought not think of it as a restaurant where you show up, pay a little bit of money, say, hey, did they serve me well? You ought not think of it as a, a, a movie where you say, was that a good show today? You ought to think of it as a family. A place where you are invested in, but also where you are investing in others. A place where, where people are serving you, but you are also serving others. In a restaurant, somebody picks up your dishes. In a family, you pick up your own. And I believe that if you ever want to reap the benefits of this wonderful metaphor that church is a family, then you must put into the church the same things that you would put into your family or the same things you ought to put into your family. Most of us have like a crazy cousin or aunt or uncle that pops in, grabs a free meal at Christmas dinner, stirs some things up, and then walks away never to help anybody out ever again. Usually those people in the family we don't like. But that has become the norm for most churches in our country today. People pop in, they hang out, they get fed, and they go home, not investing anything back into the family. If we're going to see church correctly, treat church right, do church the way that God wants us to do church, then not only, as I said last week, what must, not only must we begin to say, the church is not mine, it's his, we must also say, the church is a family and I will treat it like a family. And at the same time, we must remember that it is his family. After saying this, Paul like totally flips the metaphor. And I just wanna to touch briefly on this kind of second metaphor because I think it's really valuable and it does connect with, with this place for me. In Ephesians 2.20 says that this family is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. I don't like mixed metaphors, but since Paul does it, we'll go with it. And Paul basically says this, not only is the church the family of God, it is also the building of God. In 1 Peter 2, 4 through 6, it says, 
as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. What Paul says, what Peter says, is that the church is, in fact, the family of God, but it is also the building of God. For me, as I, as I look at this building, when I was a kid, this is what church was. It was a building. It was like, wow, that's where you go to church. We had this steeple. There's a fountain out in front. When I thought of church, I thought of this place. And here Paul says it's a building, and this building is built upon the teachings of the apostles and the prophets with the chief cornerstone being Jesus himself. Now this doesn't mean like a capstone or a ceremonial stone as we sometimes think of cornerstones, but instead it's a reference to the load-bearing stone upon which everything else is built. Jesus is the foundation of the church. And then the church was built up upon the teachings of the apostles and the prophets. And you and I, who are Christians, are additional stones in this building that is God's. And then he says this, Ephesians 2, 21 and 22. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirits. Through Jesus, the church is unified. What Paul is saying is that like this building has bricks, you and I who are Christians, you, have, you and I who have given our lives to Jesus, we become a brick in the building of God. In 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17, it says, Don't you know that you yourself are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. When Paul describes the church as the building of God, Paul is saying, that the church is a place where God's presence should be unique and powerful. He is saying that the church is a place that ought to be full of worship. This makes church, this makes church something so unique so different from every organization in the world. The purpose of the temple, the old temple, the, the building temple, the actual physical temple, the purpose of that temple was to be a residence for God on earth. And Paul says to you and I that the church is now God's residence on this earth. Now you put these two metaphors together. The church is the family of God. It's his family, but the church is also his building. And it shows us, this is what it shows us, that we 
must live out church in a way that shows that it is God's family and that he is in fact with us. When we show up on a Sunday morning, when we go to our small groups, when we think about church, when we do church, it's so easy to go through the motion and say, what do I get out of it? What do I get out of it? What do I get out of it? But what we should instead be asking is what can I contribute to this family that allows for this family to show the world that God is with us, that he is a part of our family. I said last week that we will never do church the way that God wants us to do church while we think it's ours. We must see that it is his. And this morning, what I want you to understand is that you need to be a person that stops thinking about church as yours, starts to think about it as his, but then recognizes that it is his family and his building. And your approach to church should be one where you say, what can I contribute to this family? And what can I do in this place to show that God dwells here? For me as a kid, being in this place, I benefited from a family. I benefited from the presence of God. A story I've told you before, but this is the, the place where, where I, would, I would know the last verse of the hymn and I would say, well, I could just close this, but I'd say, well, is that pride? And, and God would really work with me. And, and, and I wrestled with God about, should, should I shut this hymnal or not? Because I don't want to be arrogant, but I don't, I know that I know these words and I want to sing and God worked in me here. It was a family and it's a place where I experienced God. And let me say this. I know now that those experiences were in large part because faithful men and women did not just say, what can I get out of this church? But they said, what can I put into this church? What can I contribute to this family in order that this family can be a place that serves others and shows the world that God dwells with us. I hope that you will be a person who makes a decision to treat the church as his family and his building, asking what you can put into it and not just what you can get out of it. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I ask for all these people in front of me, in front of this screen today, God, I pray, God, I ask that they people who would treat church as a family. Lord, so many people that don't want to be a part of church, that, that, that don't go to church, it's because they've been at churches that seem nothing like a good family. If they seem like a family at all, they seem like a dysfunctional family. And I pray, God, that, that because of the people who sit in front of me, that our church will be a church that truly is an incredible family that benefits people because, Lord, our people would treat this organization as your family and also as your building. God, let this be a church. Let us be a church where your presence is seen, God, where, where you, we experience you on a weekly basis because, Lord, in large part, everybody here is doing their best to build this thing up. Jesus, I thank you for loving us so much that you would die for our sins, rise again so that we could be in your family. And I ask these things in your name.